This is the Cover to Cover podcast, informative and enlightening conversation best paired with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information about Cover to Cover, to sign up for text or email devotions, or to simply just read the Bible along with us, go to covertocoverfc.org. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 11 of Cover to Cover, and if you're following along in the plan, after you hear this, you'll be reading the book of Titus, just three chapters there, as well as Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. My name is Andy Schultz. I am the online ministry director at Faith Church, and today I'm joined by Marilyn Miller, the director of adult formation at Faith Church. Marilyn, welcome back. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. I'm wondering, uh, which tropical location, nice weather place in this world do you want to visit? Because you've talked about wanting to go to Nova Scotia, <laughs> which is not as nice. No. And I want to know where there's palm trees that you want to go. Hawaii. Hawaii. Mm. I've spent some nice vacations there. Yeah. So you want to go times. back. You've I been go there before. back. Beautiful. Yes, I'm sure back. I'm sure it's a wonderful place. Uh, and also joining us is the pastoral theologian of Faith Church and pastor of Faith's Beecher, Illinois location, Dr. Brian Dennert. Brian, glad you're here. Good to be back. Where do you want to go where the weather's nice? Well, I feel like in live where we're going here in the passage will be, I have to say, the, the island of Crete yes. there in the Mediterranean. So it's like you knew where I was going. But I, apparently this. I did. It apparently just great minds think alike. Yeah, it must be where it's, so. That will all make sense soon. Uh, I, I I just want to go anywhere in the Caribbean, frankly, mm-hmm. because everything's nice and probably can't afford any of it, but it's all really nice and so on to go. All right. You, you, you turn down other uh, other invitations, only the Caribbean or really anywhere? You no, go I'll just go. I'll go anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. If the bugs are small and the weather's nice, I'll go there. there so go. pretty much here in June and uh, everywhere else down there. So, well, last time around, we, we wrapped up our discussion on the book of Exodus with conversations about an incident involving a golden calf, as well as some of uh, the details surrounding the tabernacle. That's all in episode 10, if you haven't heard it yet. Today, we're going to shift forward, depending on the translation of the Bible, the size of the font, uh, how big of the margin you have, about a thousand pages, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. depending on your Bible, from Exodus, uh, moving all the way forward in time, quite a long way, past Israel's journey toward the Promised Land, the Old Testament, fast-forwarding now to a time after Christ's life and death and resurrection and ascension. It's a time after the church is established. We're going on to the book that we call Titus in the New Testament. So anytime we get to a new book here in the cover-to-cover plan, we give you some of the background information, Mm -hmm. the who, the where, the when, the why, all that kind of stuff. Well, the where is what we're talking about to get started. Mm -hmm. We're we're going to the island of Crete in the Mediterranean, which is a really beautiful kind of tropical place, a place that I think I might want to visit sometime (laughs) and maybe even do ministry there. Although, Brian, I'm guessing it's probably not a great place to do ministry at the time of Titus. Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be a beautiful place to do ministry, but from a spiritual temperature, the spiritual environment was not great, was not, you know, really establishing a church for the first time. So there are people are worshiping other gods. And there's even, you see in the book of Titus, a quote of all Cretans are gluttons and liars. So there's this not the most godly place, not the place that you would think there'd be a lot of response to the gospel, and one in which there's going to be a lot of work to be done to make people move from that lifestyle to a lifestyle following and looking like Jesus. But the, but it looks so good. The water's so clear. <laughs> you, if you Google the island of Crete, there's just pictures of boats floating on water, and you can see the shadow on the bottom of the water, and there's nothing in the... Oh. So nice. <laughs> There's even a spiritual principle there. Maybe things look good on the outside, That's right. wow. That's right. great on the inside. <laughs> 
So, so when is this? This is now a result of Paul's ministry now as he's gone out and, and preaching the gospel in, in faraway places. Crete's a pretty faraway place from Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, most likely this is written after after everything you find in the book of Acts. So you can't find this. A lot of Paul's letters, you can place Philippians and, and these things like, oh, that's where Paul ministered there. You don't see Paul ministering in Crete, and, and you don't see kind of him interacting and passing along Titus. So it probably is after what you see in the book of Acts, but that continuation of what Paul's done after he'd been released from prison uh, as he ends book of Acts still in prison. So Paul is, of course, preaching the gospel, but he's also instilling in his in his leader now this in this case Titus uh, a way to do things here in this newly established church so the book of Titus is just depending again on your font size or whatever it's just three chapters so it may just be like a turn of the page mm-hmm. and you're done with it but there's a lot that mm-hmm. goes on here mm-hmm. so what exactly is the why why is this being written I kind of alluded to it in some way but there's a lot going on as well sure um, he knows that the leaders in the church are not godly people. He knows that they're teaching things that are not godly things, and so he's sending Titus in to do a reset, which is probably harder than starting a church in the beginning, to change people. So he's he's going in with a pretty big task. It is a big task. There's a lot there, and we're going to use this text. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the text coming up in the next segment, but I think to frame this whole thing, and what's going on here and why it's so challenging, I just want to highlight one of my favorite verses in Scripture as it's translated into English and the, the way it reads so plainly in English. This is from the ESV, Titus chapter 1, uh, verse 12. It says, One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, and this is what is quoted, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Paul replies, This testimony <laughs> is true. <laughs> It always just strikes me as funny. I know it's just the way that it translates to English, Mm -hmm. but it's such a dry response. Like, yeah, yeah, they're pretty terrible. Right. And that's the challenge now for Titus and and for Paul. But his solution isn't, okay, now I hate them. It's like, okay, yeah, confront the false teachings, rebuke Mm -hmm. them sharply. Mm -hmm. And the solution is going to say, establish these elders, put these church leaders in place. They'll be able to address the false teachings and transform this place. And Paul believes transformation is possible. Yeah. I mean, there's this great hope of the gospel found in this so in one sense, you can say wherever you might go, however you might feel your culture is at, whether it's of their town, of your country, is the gospel more powerful? It is. Mm. It can transform. If it can transform Crete and turn these Cretans, these you know, liars, evil beasts, and light, lazy gluttons into elders and leaders in the church who are godly people, it can transform any life and right. transform any place. So right. while it's a short book, it is a powerful book, and it's one of my favorite books to, to look at because of that hope that's found in it. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you live in the general faith church area and you live maybe in Crete, Illinois, <laughs> this is not a testimony about you. That's Just, right. Uh, we, we love, we love Crete. We do love Crete. Yes, yes. But the Crete we're talking about here, a beautiful place to do ministry, uh, but some incredibly difficult ministry that we're going to hear about as we go forward. So that's a general overview now of the book of Titus. When we come back, we're going to reflect on some of the content of the three chapters of this letter from Paul. Titus might be a short book, but what it lacks in size, it makes up for in the importance of its content. Paul is very interested in Titus establishing solid framework for ministry on the island of Crete. 
three chapters, but there is a lot in here. So as we reflect on this book, um, what are some passages that maybe rose to the surface, Marilyn, that maybe speak to you, that kind of help you with ministry, just things that, that stuck out to you? Well, Titus's charge was uh, to get them uh, to be teaching the accurate word of God and to learn how to respond rightly to it. Um, they claimed to know God, but they denied him by their works in verse in chapter 1, verse 16. There's words like detestable and disobedient and unfit. And all of these are words that go back to my character. And character I've oh. always heard is what I am when nobody watches, mm -hmm. nobody sees me. That's the real character. Um, so Eugene Peterson writes, the discipleship Jesus calls us to is both personal and corporate, both inside and outside, a life in which we are as careful and attentive as to the how as to the what. And I can get as excited mm. as anybody about something, and I see that end goal, and I can be um, tempted to change my character, not stick with my what I want my character to be, and to arrive at that end. So the means is can affect the end. Where I've got if I got my sights on the end, whatever it takes. Well, that sometimes is when my character would become in question. Mm -hmm. um, so Dallas Willard says, "Are we? Am I in the church an undiscipled disciple?" Wow. And that's mm. where the means is as important as the end in staying true to God's words, staying true to godly teaching, staying true to godly character. So let's put all this together that we've been working on here as a team as we've been reading some of the some of the content that we've read. So we've read now Genesis and Exodus as a team. We go all the way back to um, Genesis 12. God to Abraham, you're going to be a people set apart. I'm going to bless the lineage through you. Then through Exodus 20, here's the Ten Commandments given to you to live this way because I have delivered you from slavery. We right. combine all that, and now we, we see what, what Paul is writing to Titus, and we can say, holy living isn't to impress anyone. Right. Holy living isn't to reach a goal of any type that's human. Rather, it's to simply allow our lives to speak to who God is in mm -hmm. his faithfulness, in his grace, and his mercy. Mm -hmm. and, and, and specifically here in chapter 1, uh, it's, you know, Paul is saying, if you're going to pick leaders for your mm -hmm. church— they better be living that out, not because mm -hmm. we want to look religious, not because we want people to think, wow, those guys are holy, but we want them to think, wow, that God is really good, mm -hmm. that he right. would care for his people, and those people would give thanks then in that expression of who they are. Does that sort of synthesize all this scripture yes. we've been reading so far? Yeah, yeah I think in, in the heart of the, the book of Titus is reminding, saying it's all about this, this godly living that should lead to these transformed lives we've talked about all this this true character, I mean, the, the basis for that is always back to the grace of God right. and what God's done for us in Christ. So it's, it goes back to, you know, you go back to God was gracious in making us for a relationship. And then when we sin, he's gracious in slaying the animals and giving those those skin coverings to Adam and Eve. He continues to show his grace over and over again. And I, I love the book of Titus in chapter 2 and verse 11. It talks about, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of mm. our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness 
and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Mm. I think that really is at the heart. Some some theologians have actually put this at the heart of Paul's, Paul's theology. They said, you can almost summarize all of Paul's letters in that passage. Mm-hmm. All these bases, it talks about Christ's return and these things. But what's grounded in saying, God's grace has appeared to us in Christ and our God and Savior, and and that teaches us to deny godlessness. So it's not that we, we try to be godly, it's that God's grace teaches us, instructs us. We think of grace and godly living as opposites, as like one thing is what God does and God lives in what I do. No, they're connected, and it's God's grace that leads us to this new life. And so the way he wants to transform Crete is through preaching the grace of God, yeah. pointing to what Jesus has done, who gave himself up and who is coming again. So I love Titus for that because it's so it's so compact. It talks mm-hmm. about godly living and kind of leads with that in one sense, but then grounds it where other epistles sometimes will start with the grace and then move back to godly living. He kind of almost inverts it to a certain extent. I'm oversimplifying things, both of the other letters and here, but this idea of God's grace has appeared that causes us to do these things. And that's, that's, I think it's so important. And it's godly living in this present age, it says in verse 12. And I think, was it more difficult to live in a godly way in the age, in the first century AD mm-hmm. or, or now today? But of course, yes, always, um, you know, covered in grace uh, in all things. I Yeah, great. Good word, Brian. I appreciate that. I love, uh, this is so refreshing in, in chapter three for me as a leader, just as a disciple of Christ. Uh, Paul writes uh, verses 1 and 2 in chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. Mm. And my question is, do we maybe have a kindness problem Mm. in the church today? Uh Because I feel like what I sense, maybe it's the world's perception of the church, or maybe the church's perception of how they should interact with the world. We're interested in picking a lot of fights. And I'm just, I'm seeing this here, and I'm, and it just reminds me as a leader, it's time to just be quiet and just serve and to listen. And it's framed under this, verse 3 then of chapter 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. It's like, that's where you were, people. Right. And those are the people you're encountering. So live in this way so that they see your life transformed mm. instead of trying to pick, you know, qu- again, mm. quarreling. There's talks about genealogies and all these mm. things. Like instead of all of that within the church, outside of the church, whatever the context is, be be living in this way so that others go, wow, that's the God that I want right. to be. I want to serve that God. I want to, I want to be saved by that God because... Everybody needs it equally. Mm-hmm. So, and I love what you said. Everybody, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's off the hook in this mm-hmm. chap in this right. book, right? Yeah. Young, old, men, yeah. women, slaves. We are all reminded of God's grace in our lives, and that is our our response is in godly living. Yeah, yeah and the, the, the what's the solution to the kindness problem we have is is the grace of God, mm-hmm. right? And that's what it goes back to saying it's yeah what we once were, but also realizing God has provided the solution. So sometimes we might be less kind to people or more fearful because we don't believe in the grace of God that mm. supplied the solution, which is his life, death, resurrection, return. And when we live into that, then we can avoid the quarrels because guess what? He's already won. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, that does it for our conversation here on the podcast about the book of Titus. Hopefully you're well prepared as you read through this letter from Paul. And so when we come back, it'll be our first look at the book of Proverbs. So that comes up next. 
cover to cover four year Bible reading schedule gives you three days in Titus and then back to the Old Testament for a book that's unique in many ways compared to what we've read so far. Mark's Gospel, uh, Genesis and Exodus have all given us elements of narrative, a telling of events that happened. There are some portions that feature other genres mixed in there, but generally it's been narrative. Titus and Romans, on the other hand, are epistles. Those are letters to previously established churches, both from Paul, located in the New Testament. But today, we're going to start a journey in the book of Proverbs, which is our first of the genre that we would call wisdom literature. Now, normally when we introduce a new book, we start with some of those basics, the what and the who and the where and the why. So let's talk about what this is first. The book of, uh, the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings. They're not necessarily attributed to, um, I, I, there are multiple authors here, which we're going we're gonna to talk about maybe where they were sourced from, uh, but we're, we're talking about wisdom literature. There's not a lot of this in scripture that's just sort of like, bam, bam, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. So this is obviously very unique to the rest of what we have read so far. So we have to figure out what it is, what, it, what exactly is wisdom literature in this case? I mean, in many ways, what wisdom is in the biblical sense is wisdom is this skill in living of saying, how do you live rightly in God's world? And so, yeah, Proverbs is it's kind of the premier uh, wisdom book in that regard. Now you have uh, Job and Ecclesiastes that kind of bracket it a little bit, and we'll be coming to Job actually after Proverbs uh, to kind of keep you stay in tune. And sometimes those books talk about how, you know, how do you live when the world doesn't work the way it's supposed to? But Proverbs is directing how should the world work and what should your life look like? And really being practical. How do you have proper skill in living? So it's not talking about theology in the in the truest sense of abstract ideas, or it's not saying, hey, this is what Jesus is like, but saying, how does God intend for us to live? Now, gospel's there, Jesus is there, we can point to those things, but it's going to be more directed towards that practical, how do you live your day-to-day life to, mm-hmm. to a many degrees? Do this, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clear as you mm-hmm. go. Um, but we always have to you know remember that this is not necessarily a rule book, right, necessarily, but it's sort of like, yeah, I think you said it would generally, your life would generally look this way, maybe when you're living right. in a godly way, I guess is how, how right. it speaks to me. Yeah, and when laying out these these rules for living, it's good to know, these, these, aren't, these are principles, not promises. It's mm-hmm. not saying if you do this, this will always right. happen, but what wisdom does is kind of looks at general principles. You think of a wise person, they have experience in life, and they say, if you're doing this, this is what generally is going to happen. It might not. It might always lead that way. And so, what's doing is taking generalizations. Mm-hmm. So, it's key is as you see, I say, well, this is not always following the case. It's not saying a hundred percent of the time, but saying most of the time, this is how life will work. We've mm-hmm. previously read in Exodus, commandments and laws. Commandments are just live this way, right? And it's the baseline assumption that you will live this way because it points to God. Laws have consequences attached, right? If you don't do this, then this bad thing will happen mm-hmm. to you or whatever. And in this case of wisdom, it's, yeah, it's it's sort of guideposts. We're trying to keep your life on track from that day-to-day um, kind of nuts and bolts sort of way. So that's sort of the the what kind of is, is we we understand it. Now, who is this? We, we A lot of times we assume that Solomon is the author of all, most, but maybe there's there's other authors here, correct? or we assume, based on maybe historic tradition. Yeah, I mean, you see that note in the book itself. You have some Proverbs that are collected by Hezekiah, later king. You have this King Agar and Lemuel. We don't know who these people exactly are. Um, a lot of these might just be anonymous, and we even see Solomon says he collected 
Proverbs, so it doesn't mean he necessarily authored them, that he might be taking Proverbs, maybe even from other places of wisdom in this world, but it usually connects back to this, this wisdom tradition that comes from Solomon as this wisest man who ever lived, although he didn't always live out the Proverbs that yes. he seemed to collect as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so we usually say it's connected to Solomon, but does that mean that he's the one that wrote, you know, again, pen to paper or, or you know, ch- hammer to chisel right. um, and this tablet? Um, it's, but it traces back to his influence, and many of them probably tracing themselves back to him or his, his discovery of them. Sure. And then when we talk about the where, this is primarily now in Israel. You know, we just got out of Titus, which was very specifically a letter written to ministry, essentially on the island of Crete. That's way, way down the road. We're now narrowing back into this very tight area here in Israel, correct? And why? What's what's the point of this? Who's the who's the original audience uh, that received maybe some of this wisdom uh, that went along? Yeah, I mean, the primary audience seems to be, you know, young men um, in terms of the way it's addressed stuff. And this, my son, we'll see this in the first nine mm-hmm. chapters, my father, my son. Uh, but but I think you can, that was part of the, the cultural context, but I think you can expand it. I think uh, really a target audience is young people saying, how how, do, how should you live? And they were, well, I think it was also unique in Israel where some of these proverbs or other literature in the ancient world would be for the elite, mm-hmm. for saying how how you prepare the, the aristocracy, the people who are going to be in government. This is for all people, though, I mean, it's it's, it's not just for the upper elite. It's basically it's every young person, nearly every person. So mm-hmm. while it's targeted in one sense towards maybe young people, it's I think we're all young at heart for one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all need this. It says like about the simple, the those who need wisdom. So I guess if, if you need wisdom, this book's for you. So right. you're part of the target audience, right? And and it does say young men specifically, and and you'll see it especially early on in the first, you know, I guess maybe chapter seven, eight, and somewhere in there, I know there's a lot of advice for men specifically dealing with women to not be lured in, Mm -hmm. you know, and be tempted by, by women of a certain type, which may or may not have been something that Solomon struggled with on his own. Um, but that's up for debate. But anyways, we see that there's a structure to this. Uh, we know that the first, you can group the first about nine books of this or nine chapters of this together um, as, as, a, as a conversation almost, not maybe not necessarily a dialogue, but from a father to a son. So we talked about maybe young men being the audience here. Uh, and of course, yeah, just like you do with your kids, you give your kids nuggets of wisdom mm-hmm. along the way. Maybe they collect them and, it, and they, they are obedient to them. Maybe they don't, uh, but maybe that's, that's what the author's trying to, trying to do. Now, Marilyn, you had something that this part of this Proverbs 1 through 9 section um, reminded you of. Well, the verse 1, uh, verse chapter 1, verse 6, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Eugene Peterson, I've been spending some time reading about him, says all of this is under the umbrella of the fear of God mm-hmm. and the knowledge of God. And he said these statements are not competing, but they're completing. And I really like that, mm. that they really do fit together. They, they, it's not one or the other. Mm. Yep. But the fear of God and the knowledge of God in Proverbs is full of teaching us to fear God and teaching us to be aware of his wisdom. Fear is in tremble and fear, or is there maybe a dip, is there like a different kind of fear here? I mean, I think our fears in our culture tend to be things we're afraid of. Like, yeah, we're afraid I think of God. Of respect. Yeah. Highest respect. You know, um, you know, Brian said it well, you know, we've talked about God's love, but mm-hmm. he's also, we also have his justice. Mm-hmm. So that is worth 
honoring and respecting. Yeah. And I think that, that opening part, those verses you point out, Marilyn, are very important to, to keep in mind the backdrop of the book of Proverbs, because again, a lot of it can seem hard work pays off and, mm-hmm. you know, you have good friends and use your words wisely as you journey through Proverbs, especially the, the second half of the book that are just those little proverbial statements that we have in our culture these are not taken out of the context of of the fear of the Lord. That right. the the pathway to wisdom is not just simply doing these things. Right. It's fearing the Lord, and that is ultimately obeying Him and respecting Him and saying His ways are my ways, His ways are better than me. Don't don't trust in my own heart. Trust in the Lord. And that that foundation that's laid in chapters one through nine guides you when you look at these other statements. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you could just take them and average person on the street is going to agree with a lot of Proverbs ten through thirty one. Not all of it, but a lot of things. Um, but when you put that chapter one through nine, saying, no, it's in that context of this is how you fear the Lord, how you show that is to follow his instructions for us, not just through the laws, but through his his interweaking, interweaving of, of these principles into the world. I met a man um, who lives in New York City, and he had no faith background, and came in touch with the Bible, and it fell open to Proverbs. He mm. said, Proverbs? <laughs> and he read it, And he said, this is not how I live my life. Came to faith in Jesus, long story, which I won't tell you, but came to faith in Jesus, and that started there in Proverbs, Mm -hmm. in Proverbs. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's great. Um, It certainly shows that God is interested in us and that he Mm -hmm. cares about us. Um, This is not a rule book that says must do, and if you don't, then I will crush you, murder. You know, it is definitely a book of love. And, uh, of course, ultimately, though we don't see Christ by name in it, as we read, we have to always remember that, yeah, we're going to fall short of many Mm -hmm. of these things. Um, But our hope is that as we are discipled in the name of Jesus— right? As we go forward, sanctified, it's a good reformed theology Mm -hmm. term, right? Um, That these become more a part of who we are. And that's what this is all about, is that our lives look like a life to others that would say, I I think I want that. Mm -hmm. I think I want to be a part of this God story. I want want to get to know this Jesus, which is what this is all about. And that is exactly what my friend saw. Yeah. What he read there was so contrary to the way he was Mm -hmm. living, but he wanted it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, there's a lot to chew on here. I'm thankful to journey through Scripture mm-hmm. uh, with both of you. Our hope is that this conversation isn't just informative for the mind, but ultimately puts you in the best position to read God's Word and have it land with new depth. So Marilyn and Brian, thankful for you, for your heart, for the Word of God, and I hope that you'll come back and share more in the future. Thanks, Thanks. Andy. You've been listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, a synchronous audio experience with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information or to sign up, visit covertocoverfc.org. For questions or comments, email us at podcast at wearefaith.org. The Cover to Cover podcast is a production of Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana, a Bible-believing, outreach-oriented, multi-site community of believers committed to changing the world one relationship at a time. More at wearefaith.org. This podcast is produced and edited by Zach Lee. On behalf of everyone at Faith Church, we say thank you for listening to the Cover to Cover podcast. Thank you.